You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. My name is Christian Corley and with me is Ben Stegner. And we are here to bring you the latest tech news that matters to normal people like you. Tips and tricks to make the most out of your tech. And some recommendations of uh, recently experienced hardware or software or streaming or entertainment uh, with a digital bearing to it. Ben, I am just, just had a blast from the past. I was uh, browsing through my videos folder. And do you remember that time I was on TV for Make Use Of? I think so. Yeah. Was that shortly after I joined? Yeah, I think it was. I was on Cheese, the um, online news channel. And uh, talking about, oh, some various tips and tricks that we'd featured on Make Use Of. And there was a thing about doing your own, you know, the carpool karaoke thing that James yeah, yeah. does. Anyway, and they, they roped me into singing Bohemian Rhapsody live. What? That was that's the number one clip. I think that clip needs to be a rite of passage at the site. <laughs> Once you get to a certain point, you yeah. have to enjoy that. And it's just staring at me now, and I'm sort of really fighting the urge not to click, click it and press play. <laughs> I thankfully I had a similar singing moment. Thankfully, it wasn't recorded. But um, when I was in high school, I ran the score clock for the basketball team for home games. So it was a Friday night game. It was you know a big game. Everybody's excited. And it was the coach's birthday. So they would have me take the mic and just say, hey, everyone, and, and then announce the starters and all that stuff. So in my head, I don't know why I just did this without thinking, but I grabbed the mic and I'm like, hey, everyone, it's Coach Schaefer's birthday. Let's sing him happy birthday. And I just started <laughs> singing in front of everybody there. And I'm really not a singer. And happy birthday is not a good song for a, a non-singer to sing. So that was one of those moments where rarely I acted without – thinking about it at all so oh that's my, uh, my solo <laughs> well do you know what something that's happened subsequently with make use of is when i do reviews of uh, dash cams or musical instruments i always manage to end up singing now i first i started doing it as a joke and what happens is when you do these video reviews we um we can edit them ourselves but i'm a bit uh behind the times when it comes to video editing by about 25 years so i let hardware reviews editor james bruce do the editing and he always, from that very first time when I did it as a prank, uh, he always keeps my singing in. That's beautiful, though. It's like a running <laughs> gag. And gag, maybe gag's not the right word, but everybody knows when they tune into your reviews, they're going to get the they, latest single. They're going to get serenaded, yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're going to move on, though. We're going to have a look at some tech news. And this is uh, quite, I don't know what's going on with this. This is really weird. I wonder if this is kind of Microsoft maybe looking for a, an out. Uh, Microsoft wants to know what your favorite Microsoft Store app is. Uh, if you've looked at the Microsoft Store, um, specifically on Windows, I'm not talking about the Store on Xbox, but specifically the Windows App Store. If you've had a look at it, you'll know that there are a lot of apps in there. And a lot of them are very kind of scammy and spammy. Yep. Or spammy and scammy. And others are really good. Others still are produced by very big names who are offering kind of substandard apps at best. Um, recently, Microsoft published an office form titled App 
nominations your favorite apps in the Microsoft Store on Windows. And it asks the surveys, uh, take us several questions about their favorite app on the Microsoft Store. Now, if you asked me as an Android user what my favorite app was on Google Play, I wouldn't be able to tell you. And yeah, there's you know, a lot of choices. There's a lot of choices, and there's a lot of very good quality choices. When it comes to Windows, I mean, the, I can't rem really remember the last time I, I used what I con what I call a Windows app, something on that Microsoft Store. I think it was. It might have been. It might have been that stripped back version of Microsoft Notes, but other than that, I really don't know. A couple of games, but I'm, I don't know if that's what they're asking. I mean, what is this all about? Why would it seems a strange thing to be asking to me? Yeah, I agree. I my first thought was name an app on the Microsoft Store yeah. might be a better survey for most people because I don't think most people really care about it. Um, yeah, but a couple things. One, the best purpose I see for this is to find like hidden gems. Like if there's some app that people love and it's good, but it's not very well known, that could be a cool use for this if such apps exist on the Windows Store. Um, but my thought is that people are just going to pick the Spotify app or the Instagram app or whatever, like stuff people already know, and who cares if that's rated highly. Um, I think the criteria is funny, though. Must have 3.5 star or higher rating mm. with at least 50 rating entries. Like three and a half stars out of five doesn't exactly scream the best of the best. So maybe they have a built-in curve to the grade because they know that so many apps have such poor scores i mean it, i mean it might be a kind of stealth purge of things below 3.5 apps um stars mightn't it i mean that's we can look at this in a more positive way to improve the quality of the apps on the store that's true they might be not wanting like spam campaigns to submit their favorite app being some spammy one star junk yeah but uh, yeah, so that that's happening. Uh, it's a bit of a strange one, but uh, who knows? I mean, it might just go nowhere. Uh, it, this is also uh, about Windows. Microsoft Edge. <laughs> I'm reading this something. How is this possible? Microsoft Edge gets accessibility captions for images. Now, when I first read this, I read this as if it didn't already have this set. But this is a new feature that they've added. It's captioning, which is meant to enhance narrators. Uh, ability to tell someone who can't see the image uh, what the image is. Alt text, if you're not familiar, on the back end of a website, when you upload an image, you can set the alt text, which describes the image for people that can't see it, if they have visual disability, if they're blind. It's also used by like web crawlers. So like Google's spiders can't see images, so they read the alt text to know what it is. Um, so if ideally the person that runs the website should set that alt text and say, you know, man using laptop at a desk or something so you can visualize what it says. Uh, this feature is going to allow images in the browser to be uploaded to Azure Cognitive Services and then it'll describe them yeah. if there's no alt text already set. That's it. Does Chrome do that? No, it just has the basic alt text, doesn't it? It's, I, I think I was um, struggling with uh, my own cognitive services as to actually understanding the difference between this new feature and what already is supposed to happen with webmasters and of course webmasters don't i'm saying webmasters <laughs> people say that word anymore um website yeah, administrators kind of yeah it's, it's, it sounds like it's a type of transformatory uh but yeah 
Um, you've probably seen the normal alt test, alt text that should be there on a slow loading website. Often uh, the alt text will display whilst the images are loading up. So that's what you're supposed to see and that's what it's supposed to be there. And what this tool does is uh, use um, sort of artificial intelligence basically to create an alt text if there isn't one there, which is a very useful feature uh, for anyone with problems viewing web pages, whether, whether those are because they're visually impaired or blind. Uh, my, my father has had uh, visual impairment for the last 40 years and uh, over the years he has, he's got one eye left and over the years that sighting that eye has decreased considerably and now we're at the sort of uh, high contrast state so I think uh, a, a tool like this it would be very useful now I know he's been uh, erring between Chrome and Edge over the past few uh, months weeks and months since he upgraded to Windows 11 so I think this uh, this feature might push him back towards Edge yeah I do think I mean, Chrome gets features like this, but it is nice to see Edge adding little things like this. Nothing huge, but it is nice. It's another good win for accessibility, kind of like the automatic captions being on videos. That's becoming pretty standard now. Yeah. You can watch almost any video on social media platforms just with the sound off because it's all auto-captioned, and it's better than it used to be. Absolutely is, yeah. Uh, one thing that uh, possibly isn't better than it used to be, but certainly Heineken are trying to make it better, is the metaverse that uh, bizarre sort of uh, combination of the Nintendo Miiverse with Second Life that is supposed to be the uh, future of virtual working? <sighs> Soul destroying. Uh, anyway, um, Heineken, the uh, brewer, has created a virtual beer, reports the BBC, to highlight the extremes businesses will go to to grab a slice of the next the next big thing, the metaverse. Uh, they. <laughs> <laughs> um, the metaverse does not yet exist, it says the BBC, but many believe people will one day spend their time in interconnected virtual worlds accessed via a VR headset. Heineken said it was an ironic joke that pokes fun at us and other brands. I'm delighted to see someone has a sense of humour beyond me about the metaverse because uh, it's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, this is weird. Like, there were journalists invited, and they were, like, half seriously invited to, like, try the beer that's not real. Yeah. They're, well, it's a Mickey take, isn't it? They're just uh, they're just poking fun at what's already happened over the past few months. Because, I mean, uh, there has been a lot of this. I mean, we, we I spoke to uh, someone, a uh, gentleman who's a uh, Metaverse uh, exponent, uh, a few podcasts ago before Christmas. And, you know, I think there is something in it, but the whole Facebook angle on the metaverse i don't think that's it i th i think it's about i don't think it's about virtual meetups i think it's about technical being able to uh, achieve technical things accurately uh over great distance but that you know that's something that's already happening so this sort of weird cartoony graphical layer that facebook seem to be promoting I really just don't get any of that whatsoever. Yeah, I the idea of like a drop-in, drop-out world where you can do different things and have fun 
could work i guess but this idea that like the metaverse is going to replace reality and you'll never want to leave because it's so fun it's just weird to me yeah um i think i've mentioned this on the show before but years ago when microsoft unveiled their mixed reality i think they called it it was more like ar or augmented reality they showed like a a a lady had like a pipe burst or something or her sink was leaking and like her dad was on a video call with her and he, like, on the call was able to, like, annotate in the air in front of her sink pipes and show, like, tighten this, take this out, whatever. Right. I think that's really cool. Yes. Or, like, in a video game type of thing where when you hit a button and then, like, AR instructions appear to tell you go this way if you want to go to this hall or whatever. Like, that stuff I think is cool. Way cooler than hanging out and drinking virtual beer. <laughs> virtual beer. Virtual beer. I'm not a big beer drinker myself, to be honest, but uh, I certainly wouldn't waste my time with virtual beer. It's about as appealing as the, did you see the Walmart demo that was going around a couple, a month ago or so? It was like how shopping in the metaverse will work. Oh, right. Yeah, man, just to combine all the worst parts of online shopping and in-person shopping with none of the benefits. It sounds amazing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so that's... uh, Heineken's virtual beer, an ironic joke. Ben, uh, over the course of uh, producing articles to make use of, we choose from various different resources for our images to accompany uh, the articles, don't we? Uh, Sometimes we'll use screenshots that we've uh, made ourselves. On other occasions, we might refer to screenshots that exist in the library on the site that we can reuse. Sometimes we use uh, third-party image sites uh, that have a, a license and such as Shutterstock, and we pay a subscription to those uh, sites in order to have the right to use the images. But there's another way of doing this, isn't there? There's Creative Commons, which isn't just doesn't just apply to uh, images; it applies to uh, other media as well. It has a non-commercial use attached to it, but you know there's a bit of wiggle room, and there's various Creative Commons licenses. They're all co- slightly different. I noticed uh, Ben, who was with me, has uh, kind of compiled a really useful guide to Creative Commons and non-commercial use. So I'm hoping he can explain some of this to me. Certainly, yeah. So Creative Commons is useful if you're creating any kind of content online, but it's also just good to know about how it works compared to a copyright and things like that. Um, So the first thing to understand is that most content online is copyrighted. So when you look at a DVD or, well, you know, Blu-ray, whatever, CD, anything like that, and it says all rights reserved, that's basically saying that the person who created the media, whether it's an image, a video, song, owns all the rights to it. So you can't just take that image and use it on your own website or put it in your YouTube video or whatever because it's owned by that person. Mm -hmm. So Creative Commons is kind of an open license for, technically it is copyright, but you're defining what other people can do with your content. Um, So it makes it really easy to just say, this is mine, but I'm okay if you do this with it, but please don't do this. Um, That's how the license generally works. So there are four uh, Creative Commons attributes, I guess you could say, and there are different combinations of these that make up the different licenses. 
So the first one is the attribution condition, which virtually every Creative Commons license has. This just means that if you use the work, you need to give them credit. So what we do on the site is just image credit, author, and then the site you found it on. So you're linking back to it so it's clear that it's not mine. Uh, share alike is another possible condition. If the author adds this, it means that anyone who modifies the material has to distribute their work under the same license. So that means, for example, if the original author is okay with using the work for commercial use and they add this condition, you're not allowed to say, okay, I remixed this song and you can't use it for commercial purposes. Uh, Non-commercial is the next condition. That just means you can't use the work for anything that's co a commercial purpose, which I can explain in a second. And then there's the no derivative works version. If you have that, it means people can't modify your work. So you can use the image, but you can't edit it. You can use the song, but you can't chop it up and remix it, basically. I can talk about non-commercial uh, non use, unless you have any questions from that. I suppose non-commercial use is actually the thing most people are most interested in, aren't they? Because that, it does have a few questions around it, doesn't it? Because yeah, so a lot of people, you know, they look at non-commercial use and they think, well, my website makes money. Is that commercial use? So there's not a one clear-cut definition for this. Uh, Creative Commons has a wiki, and they have a page about non-commercial use. They state, quote, non-commercial means not primarily intended for or directed towards commercial advantage or monetary compensation. So the general use for this is if you're using the image to directly make money or song or whatever, then it's not okay. Um, for example, if you're throwing a wedding shower and there's an image you want to include, that's not commercial use because you're not using the image to make money. Um, if you were having an auction and you wanted to use an image to promote the auction, probably not okay because that's commercial use. The auction is to make money. Um, so non-commercial is like a school presentation, uh, your own research, decorating in your home, that kind of thing. Uh, commercial use would be a book for sale, advertisements, anything like that. And it is important to note that not commercial and nonprofit are two different things. So a nonprofit company can't use a song that's marked for non-commercial use um, if it's trying to use it in a fundraiser because the goal is to make money. But a for-profit company could use an image um, in their internal company documents or something if it was marked as non-commercial because they're not trying to make money with that usage. Right. So the lines are definitely blurry, but. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I think, I mean, it is quite an in-depth topic, so it's probably worth uh, hitting the article itself, uh, which you will find in the show notes along with everything else that we've discussed in this week's really useful podcast. Um, What's the best way to find the Creative Commons image? Is it really using creativecommons.cc or? Yeah, there are license searches for that. So yeah, Creative Commons, they've changed the name of it. I think it's called WordPress Openverse, which is a search engine specifically okay. made to search images and some videos and audio that is Creative Commons. Um, also, if you go on Google, when you go into the image tab, if you search I think it's actually under Creative Commons licenses now. Um, you can, let me see here. Yeah, if you click Tools and then Usage Rights, you can do Creative Commons licenses or commercial and other licenses. 
and that will sort by sources that allow you to reuse the images. But it's always good to double check. Yeah. Because that's not 100% accurate. Excellent. Excellent. Now, I, uh, I've recently bought a new phone, which means, uh, means a few things. Perhaps most importantly, uh, it's one of the most important people in my life, it means that my mum gets a new phone because I've bought a phone, which means she gets my old phone, uh, which was a bit of a relief because I discovered that the previous old phone that I gave her, uh, she dropped it and there's a little crack in the corner of the screen, which I wasn't happy about uh. um, because I, that was a... Uh, it was the um, it was a Google Nexus Five, which uh, Make Use of bought for me um, some years ago. I love that phone. It's yeah, one of my favorite smartphones ever. So anyway, cracking your phone screen isn't a good thing to do. Quite often, you can continue to use your phone, but if it's a more than just a sort of a surface crack, uh, you're kind of putting your fingertips at risk of uh, being cut. So what can you do about a broken phone screen? Well, there are eight things you can do. The first thing is to check whether your phone insurance covers a cracked phone screen. Because if it does, then you've got a bit of money to hand to get it repaired. Although, in most cases, there's going to be an excess that you need to pay. You could just swap to an old phone and uh, wait until you can find a way to get the cracked screen phone repaired. You could, if your phone doesn't already have one, put a screen protector over the cracked screen. That isn't a perfect solution, but it will at least stop it from falling apart in your pocket and putting you in casualty with cut arteries. You could repair the cracked phone screen yourself. Now, going back to the um, Google Nexus 5 that my mum has, the reason I was so upset about the cracked screen, it's only a little bit in the corner, but that's the phone's second screen, because uh, I'd already replaced it. In fact, it might actually be the third, because I think I thought, I think, I may have bought a substandard replacement display, which overheated. So I had to then spend about £15 more for a better quality one. Yeah. I think it's had a long life. Oh, this this phone has had a long life, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I bought a substandard display. So, you know, you need to spend decent money to get a good quality replacement. And the, the, what, the first one I got was causing the phone to overheat and shut down every sort of 10 minutes. So uh, that, that definitely was below par piece of kit for a replacement it's kind of replacing a smartphone screen is the sort of thing you can either do or you can't do it's not difficult there's no soldering involved or anything like that it's... now with this in mind if you do think that that is a bit of a bridge too far for you then you can uh, pay someone to repair the cell phone display or you could simply sell that phone to fund a replacement just you know there are sites sell sell Gazelle, Gazmogul, they all buy broken phones and you can use that money to put towards a new one. You could just buy a brand new phone or you could even simply put up with the broken display. What about you, Ben? What do you do when you've uh, broken your phone display? I've actually never cracked the main screen of Ooh. my phone. I Actually, my Nexus... Was it my Nexus 5? Yeah, it was. Um... Well, I got that when I was in college and I walked into a classroom where the tables were like at my pocket height and I like turned the corner oddly and I had my phone facing out in my pocket and I cracked the glass covering the lens for the camera. And I was so mad at myself because I'm so careful with my phones. Um, that I just live with, honestly. Mm. Like the camera was a little cloudy, but it wasn't the end of the world. But I've never thankfully cracked a 
the main screen of my phone. I'm still getting my head around the whole idea of having a mobile phone at school. Which brings us neatly along to our recommendations section. At the part of the show, uh, when, you know, we're getting on, we're uh, thinking about what we're going to be doing next, and maybe it's something to do with uh, what we're about to tell you. It's something that we've experienced in the past week that, with, that has entertained us or enthralled us, or that you might be interested in hearing about. Uh, ben, which of us is going first? Shall I go first this week? Yeah, you go first, because I went okay. first last week, and I just talked everyone's ear off so yeah sure no that's absolutely fine i i have full sympathy with them um <laughs> i have bought a new phone and this is something that's been a long time coming now you you know if you've listened to the rest of this episode you know i bought a new phone it's does anyone want to guess what it is there's only you here <laughs> uh anyone not uh, me raise my hand yeah go on um I was going to ask you. I'm just going to say, if Ben has been keeping an eye on uh, the tasks that make use of and what's in progress, he'll know what this phone is. So he might have a slight advantage over everyone else listening who can't answer. Uh, so I want to say, I feel like based on you, I can see you buying a OnePlus device, but then what you just said makes me think it's a Samsung. Right, okay. It's neither of those. It is a okay. Nokia. Okay. Oh, okay. It's a Nokia XR20 uh, with uh, Zeiss lenses. I've had a. I spent a lot of time researching what phone I wanted to buy, and I was absolutely steadfast in my determination. I know those two words mean exactly the same thing. That I was not going to pay ridiculous amount of money for a phone, such as uh, the the amount of money that one might pay for a tablet. That wasn't going through my mind at all. Um, so I've managed to get a nice phone for under 500 pounds uh, it was uh, it's about 350 pound and it's lightweight it's um it does have this bad this problem of you know being ridiculously large uh phones just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and i don't know why i'm looking at the sony xperia that i'm going to give to my mum uh it's it must be three quarters of the size of this nokia um that said i mean i've had nokia's before my Windows phones were all Nokia's back in the day. My Windows phones, my Windows 10 mobile, they were all Nokia's. This is an Android phone. It runs Android One uh, experience. It is very, very nice. I'm really pleased with it. It's nice and slick. It has, I discovered, a cinema mode in the camera. Like the new iPhones one, where you can like, it's hard to describe this in words, like when you're filming something, you can like shift the focus from someone who's close to you to someone who's far away kind of thing? I'm not 100% certain at the moment. I know it has sort of uh, enhanced frame rate and, okay. uh, and uh, HDR. I haven't been able to use it in anger, uh, so to speak, just yet. But it, uh, it looks very nice. Uh, but once I can get actual people in front of it, I will uh, report back to you on that. It's going to happen this week at some point because I'm uh, reviewing it for make use of. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm really, really pleased with it to date. Uh, lovely phone. Lovely, lovely phone. And it's rugged. Um, it has IP68. It has a strong screen, which I've not yet managed to crack. And it's sort of bounce-proofy. I'm the sort of person who needs a rugged phone. If anyone's seen my reviews of rugged phones in the past, you'll know that I uh, give 
them a bit this is me banging it on the desk give them a bit of punishment so uh yeah it's uh it should do me for a few years the price of phones i mean this is maybe a podcast in itself for a later date the price of phones at the moment is ridiculous and i know we have oh, yeah. shortages and all that sort of thing but it's like apple and samsung and a few other key uh culprits are really building phones with the intent of them being really expensive yeah i, I... I mean, I've never heard of this phone. I honestly kind of didn't realize Nokia was still making phones, so it's cool to see. But yeah, the price is, I mean, it's 550 US dollars here. Um, there's like small steps being made. Like Samsung does sell cheaper devices. Um, and there's the iPhone SE, which Apple just announced the latest version of. But that that is like so small yeah. uh, that I feel like it's kind of for a specific type of person. So if you want like a cheap phone you have to go with one that doesn't have the face recognition so i don't know it's tough well this nokia cheap, this nokia like, has face recognition iPhone. and it has thumbprint okay. recognition and as i say it's got really good camera uh i haven't had any problems running any apps that i usually use i can do it on my uh I've, yeah i've been using a succession of uh, the xperia side i've been using a succession of uh I've used the Doogee 95, S95. I've used the, 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 the frankly insane Unihertz TikTok with the clock on the back, uh, the clock face on the back. The, there's a review for that I'll make you. So if you can check that out, it's a very, very silly phone if you haven't seen it already. Uh, so to, to have this, it feels like I've got a real phone and not a sort of, uh, you know. Gimmick? A, a, yes, exactly, a gimmick. It feels like a phone. The thing about the Xperia is I really, really love the Xperia. If this Sony Xperia was just a little bit faster, I'd still be using it. It's such a nice phone, and it's so light and small and thin and compact and does did such a lot, and the camera on it is still uh, very good. Uh, so I'm very sad to see it go, but I feel like this Nokia is a good replacement. Do they make newer models of that Sony or no? Yeah, they do, but you know the, okay. we're, we're getting into 700 800 pounds sort of territory. Okay. I'm not paying that for a phone. No, it's, lap it's laptop price, isn't it? It's madness. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing where if you use it for years and years, it's worth it, I guess. But most people don't use a phone for as long as they use, like, a laptop or a desktop computer. So, and it's, like, when you, when you like, I just built that desktop, You, it's easy to see that the more you spend to a point, the better a computer you get. Whereas with phones, it doesn't feel like, Unless you're only upgrading every five years or something, like one or two years, you're not seeing that big of a jump in performance. So it doesn't feel like money is well spent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's the uh, Nokia XR20, and there will be a review on Make Use of for this phone in the uh, coming days after this podcast is released. Uh, so, Ben, what is your recommendation this week? My recommendation this week is howlongtobeat.com, which is also shortened to HLTB for how long to beat. It's a really useful resource for seeing how long various video games will take to beat on average. So if you are someone who is not sure what you want to play next because you're worried the game might be too long, you want to play something shorter, or maybe you're on a budget and you don't want to buy any game that's going to be beaten quickly and then over, anything like that, this site is really, really useful. So um, you pull it open, howlongtobeat.com, search for any game, and you will see 
uh, four categories that the game, the, the site rather, uses. Uh, so there's main story, which is just the time to do the what's required, get to the credits, finish the game, that's it. Main and extras, which is like you take your time, you do side quests, but you're not doing everything. Uh, completionist, which is 100%, you do everything the game has to offer, every nook and cranny. And then all styles is kind of a blend of everything averaged into one. So based on how you typically play games, you can pull up a game, see how long it's taken other people, and use that to plan what you play next. Um, there are colors that the site uses, so it goes from red to blue to show you how many people have submitted ratings and thus how accurate it is. Right. And if you're interested in diving in, you can see how many people have rated each uh, type, how long it took them, average play time, what they played on, what system, that kind of thing. So that's all available without signing in. Um, if you do sign in, you can kind of have like your own gaming library, basically. So you can put games in that you want to play uh, in your backlog. You can mark them as completed or mark them as retired if you start them and don't want to finish them, that kind of thing. So if you don't already use a spreadsheet or something to keep track of what you want to play, what you have played, it works really well with that too. Well, it's a really useful site. I've logged in, well, logged into it. I have just visited it and I've uh, decided to check a game that I've played a lot over the years to uh, see how accurate it is, or how how good at the game I am, I guess. Half-Life 2, main story, 13 hours, main plus extra. I'm not really sure what plus extra means. Uh, 15 and a half hours. Completionist, 19 and a half hours. I suppose that means exploring every single nook and cranny of the game. Uh, I would say that the main story, 13 hours, is pretty accurate. So Yeah, for a game like Half-Life 2, I mean, if you click on it, you can see how many people... 2k people have been polled for the main story speed so that's pretty accurate data you know main plus extra it can depend on the game so like for something like i haven't played half-life 2 and i'm gonna get shot for saying that um Bad. would be like finding all the lore like the like the documents and stuff like that um depends on the game like for a game like zelda for example main plus extras would mean like doing some side quests Whereas completionist would be like get every heart container, every optional right. quest, all that kind of stuff. Okay, that makes sense. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's a really cool site. I like that. It's super useful because it's from real people. You know, sometimes when you Google how long does a game take, you know, one random review might have it, but this is <gasps> hundreds or thousands of people all averaged, which makes it more reliable. Well, do you know what? I'm just to give the listener an idea of how deep this game goes uh if you're a regular listener to the really useful podcast you know that i'm a little bit obsessed to buy um a particular retro game called turrican that's on there <laughs> if people have played it it's on there yeah. anything new wow. and hot will definitely be on hold there. on hold on um, right i've got to uh I've, i feel like i've been challenged now to find a game that no one has given a rating for the hobbit 1982 version this is a graphic text adventure. Main story, one hour? No. There's no way I could do it in one hour. I spent at least one hour trying to uh, not get killed by Thorin. If it's red, it's the least accurate. Purple's like mid-accurate. Mid okay. Well, the Hobbit's red. It says main story, one hour. Main plus extra is two hours. Completion is two and a half hours. Uh, yeah, I've spent. Do you know what? I was talking about this with a friend. Uh, it might be my wife yesterday, actually. Or my son. 
I was talking about it with someone and the gist of the conversation was uh, my copy of The Hobby was for the Commodore 64 and it came with a copy of the book in there as well. Oh, wow. And so because I was so god-awful at the actual game, I thought, I know, I'll read the book. You know, because why wouldn't you? To get to grips with actually what's going on in this story and give you some clues. I, I spent about a week trying to read the first 30 pages because Tolkien is not uh, particularly good if you're nine, I suppose. And even with, you know, I had to read, I was reading books for 14-year-olds, but I, uh, I couldn't cope with The Hobbit at all. And it told me absolutely nothing because those 30 pages were basically took place before the game starts. I was going to say, it would be an interesting tie-in if it'd be annoying because the book's so long, but yeah. like if the book tied into the game, like you had to know certain things from the book to play the game. I mean, that would be probably not feasible with a game that old, but it would still be interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, it never happened, but I, I don't, I suppose if you knew all the commands and you knew what was going to happen in the game, you could get through it in an hour, but that's not really playing a game, is it? That's kind of e knowing the game and just re reacting to each thing in the correct manner. Sure, yeah. There's actually a field for speedruns on this site. Right. So that doesn't take into account, you know, obviously someone who's played a game a thousand times and the yeah. speedrunning it, that's not accurate. Sure. Just for fun, since you pulled one up, I thought of the, mo the randomly most obscure game that came to mind quickly, which is Mischief Makers on the N64. Uh, it was made by Treasure, who made Gunstar Heroes. Um, that has read for completionists because only eight people have submitted um but the main story has 20 and all play styles has 42 so some people have played and taken the time to submit their uh elapsed time on this website but fun to see that even for lesser known titles <laughs> wow so uh two recommendations for you to check out now if you've uh, enjoyed what we've brought to you today or uh, if you have otherwise enamored with the really useful podcast it would be very useful if you could leave a review at uh, apple podcasts if you were to be so good enough as to leave a five star review in a few words we will read it out and let everyone know that it was you who said that if you do that uh, drop us a line to let us know and uh, we'll check it out and read it out to you this is the end of this week's really useful podcast from makeusoft.com i'm christian corley he's ben stegner uh, check the show notes if you want to get in touch with us and for everything else we've discussed in this week's podcast. And until next time, it's goodbye from us.